In this episode, I am joined by Taiwanese YouTube fitness star Frank Yang, who on May 25th, 2020, declared himself to be an arhat, the highest level of enlightenment of Theravadan Buddhism. Frank discusses his intense spiritual quest from his early days as a bodybuilder struggling with sex addiction to a multi-year deep dive into Buddhist meditation practice. We learn about Frank's initial awakenings, kundalini phenomena, encounters with entities, and journeys to astral realms. Frank lifts the lid on his successful YouTube channel with over 160,000 subscribers and shares his personal tips for all those seeking enlightenment. So, without further ado, Frank Yang. Frank Yang, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I, I do. I love the podcast you did with、uh, those guys, man. Thank you. During that pandemic, man, I was like feeling like the dark, collective dark night. <laughs> What do you mean by that? The collective dark night. Uh, just that、um, I don't know. It's just a term that I've been throwing around because, like you know, in the spiritual circle, people know about it. Even outside the spiritual circle, that's a pretty common. It's like a meme now. You know, I'm going through a dark night. Everybody's going through a dark night. Yeah. So, and then the kind of energy that I was feeling around the world, like you know, I was in Taiwan, and Taiwan was actually one of the safest. Still, is one of the safest places up there right now. But then I could feel like just like reading news and just you know talking to my friends, I could feel that energy. So that energy, that vibe was similar to when I went through like my personal dark night on the spiritual path. So I just called it the collective dark night, and、mm-hmm. some other people were using that term too. So it just kind of kind of.、Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. So I'd, <laughs> lo- I'd, I'd love to ask you all about that, you know, about your own dark night and about your whole journey. But let's、sure. start off with how did you become interested in in meditation and in that sort of thing. Um. Honestly, I started meditating for two reasons. One of them is I wanted to reduce my sex addiction,、uh, sexual drive, and I wanted to fab a little less and fuck like less girls because I was like really addicted to sex at one point in my life. That was my identity was like hugely attached to just like constantly having to like you know be with a, like a new girl every couple of weeks and you know watching a lot of porn and stuff like that. And、uh, that. Was one of the reasons, and another one is because I just wanted to upgrade my mind. Like I was really into. I started out my. I, I always tell people I started my journey with the、uh, with fitness. So I started to、uh, do a lot of bodybuilding and、uh, powerlifting and you know, jumping and explosive training, just everything in the body.、Mm. And then I started to get into、uh, philosophy because I went to art school actually. Even though I was you know really into fitness, I went to an art school. And The last class I had to take and fulfill before I graduate was a philosophy class. I just kind of check it off. I was like,、oh, okay, philosophy sounds interesting. But before that, I I didn't think about the mind at all. Like, just didn't interest me. But when I took that class, the philosophy class, I was like, holy shit! This this is、uh, I, I'm really interested in like wis- wisdom and mind and just like wanted to like upgrade my mind and see how far I can push consciousness instead of just pushing the body. Because I sort of reached the point where I'm like, okay, I'm kind of tired of pushing the mitsu. I wanted to push the brain a little bit. And I started to get into evolutionary biology, evolutionary psychology. I was really into that. That was one of my heavy programs back then. It was like everything is about like genes and stuff like that, and you know. And、um, then I started to get into like neuroscience and yeah, so neuroscience. And then I realized that oh, then I started to get into psychedelics. That's right. I went through a psychedelics phase, and I realized that dude, like everything that I was reading about. It has to be experienced. 
Yeah. And then I was like, you know, it's pretty common actually on the past for a lot of people. Just psychedelics and like, okay, how do I lock this? You know, how do I lock this? How do I access this naturally? Hmm. Yeah. And then I started to get into um, TM, uh, meditation, transcendental meditation. That would look with the uh, sex addiction thing, those two things uh, locked me down to sit. And I took a TM course. And then the first sit, uh, I just felt something. Uh, I was like, okay, there's a slight change of consciousness just by sitting down for 10 minutes. And then just went from there. And then I discovered uh, Sam Harris's book, Waking Up. And that's when I took the switch from just TM just kind of, you know, relaxing and just kind of go just this headspace. Um, TM gave me a lot of benefits, actually. Yeah, I did. And then when I discovered Sam Harris, he, uh, and I listened to his guided meditation, I was like, okay, mindfulness. This is uh, meditation, but there's similarities to TM, but it's a little bit different. And I was like, okay, how do I explore this area? Because I felt like that was a supplementation to, uh, to TM. TM to me was more like, kind of more like right brain if you want to make that duality, like, more like oh it's more like a lot of creative like artists like to the tm and then mindfulness in the beginning i was like okay like this is it feels different it feels more it feels more like analytical and more logical it feels more like left brain i was like okay let me uh, try this a little bit too and then i was doing tm and mindfulness kind of simultaneously for a bit and then one of my friends who uh actually got me into spirituality from the conceptual standpoint he was giving me a lot of stuff to read like osho and then uh alan watts and just the standard stuff that people, you know, jump into when they get into spirituality. And uh, he went to a Vipassana retreat, Goenka. Yeah. And then he was like, uh, I won't talk to you again if you don't go to a 10-day retreat. Because like me and him was always talking about like mind consciousness and like fitness and girls and things like that. And then he was really into like Vipassana at that time. He went to like a couple of retreats. So he was like, all right, if you don't go, I'm not gonna talk to you anymore. So I signed up and then I went. And then th that retreat, I would say is, Top three most important things on my, on my journey, not just my journey, my whole life. I'll say maybe number one. Yeah, the first 10 day going country. Tree. If you want to map it, like the year familiar with Dana Ingram, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's when I reached the uh, rising and passing away. But at the time, I didn't, didn't know what that was. I just, I think the seventh day, I accessed like insane states of consciousness that I was like, this is like almost as powerful as. Uh, my DMT trip because I, I took uh, NNDMT a couple of years earlier. Uh, NNDMT, you know, the, a lot of just fractals and visuals. Um, and then when I meditated uh, during that 10 day retreat, um, yeah, I was actually in states that was almost as powerful as uh, DMT trips. And I was like, okay, this, there's something, like, there's something to this. Like, it's, it's causing a permanent shift in my uh, everyday perception and gave me a lot of insights. Yeah, that's when I understood insights. Before I was, all my insights were flat, just reading on the, in the book. And then I was like, okay, no self and all that stuff. That's really interesting. But then when I experienced it sort of uh, experientially, I was like, this is just like psychedelics. Like you have to experience it experientially, like direct experience. So I went home and started practicing in no, two hours a day. That's when like the concept of enlightenment just kind of like ran in my head. I was like, okay, there's something, there's not like a sort of like an end point to this video game. Then uh, I wasn't thinking too much about it back then. I was just like, I still, my primary goal was still like the character. It was still like my needs. I wanted to be smart. I wanted to be more creative. I wanted to understand more about consciousness. I wanted to like, you know, just upgrade my operating system, so to speak. 
Um, but the enlightenment thing is always in the back of my mind. It was like, maybe uh, if I get there someday, if I reach some kind of awakening, that's great. If not, that's cool too. You know, I'm upgrading my consciousness every day when I sit. So since that point on, I don't think I've missed that many days. Always just an hour a day minimum, usually two. Sometimes three to four, just doing the positive body scanning for the next three years. Can we go on or you want to ask something? Yeah, well, it's, it's you can certainly go on, but um, yeah, there's a lot of things in there I'd like to ask about, but okay. uh, for instance, you know, you said that the physical or training, weight training and so yeah. on, was you consider that to be the beginning of your path in many ways. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wh why is that? And what, what's the link for you between physical training and the things that were to come later? Uh, the first thing that popped in my mind was Plato. Because Plato, you know why he calls Plato? Because his shoulders is very broad. So because Plato, my uh, philosophy teacher told us that Plato is called Plato because his shoulders are very broad because he wrestled. Because back then in Greeks, Greek philosophy was my first introduction course. So I was really into Greek philosophy. So when I read that Plato, who was a philosopher, was also working out and training and wrestling and like the soldiers in Greek, uh, the Greek warriors were playing music. You know, they were learning music to help them sort of, quote unquote, dance on the field. So at that point, I was like, well, shit, like the mind, the body are, you know, you can't separate the two. Like, you know, it's, uh, it's one thing. And that's when I started to try to bridge that gap between the mind and body. And that really kind of was like my first, quote unquote, I wouldn't call it dark night, but I was like, wait a second. Am I like, I, I was really identified with my body. And then I started to be really identified with the mind when I started to get into philosophy and, you know, psychology and stuff like that and even meditation. And like, I was really just trying to like, bridge that gap that, you know, close that duality, but I didn't know how. I was like, there's a part of me that's like, you know, I want to do things with my body. And there's another part of me that just wants to be like abstract. And I, I even like during my meditation uh, philosophy phase, I wrote like a blog post saying like, I don't even want my body anymore. I just want to be a, be a disembodied mind. So I was, keep, I was going back and forth between the two extremes. Yeah. And meditation is the thing that really sort of Close that duality. That was the first duality that I closed, the one between mind and body. When I went to Vipassana, now after I came out, I was like, there's no distinction between the mind and body, the brain, mind, body, it's all one. And it started doing a lot of body scanning, you know, that really helped to uh, sort of close that gap. And then there were other dualities that I st still didn't close up yet during that time, but the mind body was the first one that I was like, okay, there's this thing called non duality. And I think I closed the duality, but there's other dualities. Hi. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Was, okay. was the uh, uh, d duality between your mind and your body uh, something to do with you changing the focus between the body and the mind? Or did you discover in that whole process that you had a certain kind of relationship to the body that was uh, itself uh, dualistic or antagonistic somehow? I think a little bit both. I think that the stuff I was doing with my body, like, you know, having sex and um, I was making a lot of artwork that has a lot of sexual themes in there. And um, I was lifting weights, you know, my identity was really like wrapped up around just, you know, being this really explosive and athletic, like alpha guy, even though, you know, I play the violin and I act like a kid all the time. I, I think it's because of that, because of that, that I wanted to build this physique because like, I'm so like, I, you know, fucked up inside. Like I wanted to balance, like I wanted to house my like fucked up brain with my, with this aesthetic and uh, symmetrical physique so people would accept me. So I can be even more fucked up because if you have a good physique, you can talk to quote unquote normal people and then you can talk to them about fucked up shit and they're more like, okay, you know, like, 
yeah, so just the whole process of everything just um, kind of sort of split up my psyche with my body. And the fact that um, I was really into, like, I was reading like three or four hours of philosophy every day. And I was like, how is this related to the stuff that I was doing before? And how is it related to like, you know, building muscles? And then the sex thing also re was really antagonistic to the philosophy thing as well. Say more about that. I don't know. Just the fact that I was, uh, it's funny because I was like going to class three times a week. And then while I was waiting in line, I would bring my philosophy books to read. And then when I was at home reading philosophy, I was like, oh, I, I got to go to the club later. And then I got to switch mode to be this like primal, like animalistic entity. But I'm reading philosophy right now. I don't feel like me, but I feel like me, you know? Yeah. And then I'll be like having a lot of one night stands with girls. And then I was just like, it's not like I feel bad about it or anything, but just like, wait, this is not what a philosopher does. This is not what like, I could have been like, this is not abstract enough. I should say, you know, <laughs> this is too, uh, too, uh, yeah, you know, too manifested. I wanted to be unmanifested. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Is <laughs> Is that is the is reading philosophy then the thing that started to have you question uh, your sexual behavior and uh, the way you were living that part of your life? Was it was it the philosophy that 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 started that, uh, if you want, uh, I suppose, disruption of what you were doing? No, actually, philosophy actually sort of supplemented it. I was reading Freud. I was reading like evolutionary psychology, and I was using those ideas and beliefs to justify my behaviors. Huh. So while like. So it was like a little bit of a dance between like supplementing it and using that as an excuse. While at the same time, it was pushing the two apart as well. Mm -hmm. The deeper I get into philosophy, the deeper I get into the sex scene, the bodybuilding. So it's it like contracting expansion, you know? <laughs> it's, it's just, that's my, that's my whole life right there. Just like mm -hmm. that kind of, just like, you know, going this way, but going that way further, but then trying to bridge it. But then if you go, well, this way and this way, they, they connect somehow, but then there's other loops to close, you know, over the place. Yeah. It's fascinating. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to ask you some more about that later, I think. But, okay, you mentioned Daniel Ingram and the arising and passing uh, yeah. that happened to you on your first Goenka retreat. How did you come across people like Daniel Ingram? And did you, did you warm to that approach right away? Did you even know that was what was happening to you on the Goenka retreat? And can you tell a little bit the story of that Goenka retreat for those who may not quite understand uh, what the arising and passing is. Okay, uh, I did not know about Daniel Ingram or all the you know pragmatic Dharma people until my, after my second retreat. Yeah, I just didn't open that door yet. My first retreat, uh, so it was after my second retreat when I started to read about the maps that I realized, wait a second, that's why after my first retreat or doing it, I was feeling this way. And that's why when I went home, I was experiencing dark nights. I was like kind of depressed. And then I started to like put together the pieces of the puzzle and be like, okay, oh, there's a cycle to this thing. There's like different maps and different cycles and different paths that people go through like a video game. But during my first retreat, I just, I didn't really question it. I was just, I sort of talked to my friend about it. He kind of knew a little bit. He just told me that was like a normal part of the cycle. And um, the story is just, like I said earlier, I just experienced some really drastic change to my consciousness on the seventh day, I remember that moment. Um, and I was just like, this is, I, I remember like getting out of the cushion that sit, I was like, just mind fuck, mind blown. It was like, 
how can like the human mind like it's natural state almost like if i was an onion thing how can the natty mind like access those kind of states without you know supplements and then i was just like okay like that was the point when i realized there is something to this and it's not just an intellectual thing it's like i was propelled to just 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 do it just just sit and just it's almost like a i would say it's almost like a gravitational pull like 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 just kind of push me deeper into the tunnel almost and then it's like at that point i was just like it's not really it's at that time at that point it was still like okay i'm gonna do this but that was when it started to be like okay it's not really my control anymore it's like something's pulling me to something else you know it, this is like a direction to this thing and i'm just kind of following it hmm. uh, i didn't go for, to another retreat for three years but during this time i practiced a lot there hmm. yeah that's fascinating so T take us beyond that. You finish your first retreat. You're at home practicing one, two, three, four hours a day sometimes. sometimes three, yeah. And three years are going, and you're going through a dark night. Yeah, um, I did. At that time, I didn't really know it was dark night. I, but looking back on it, I think I was in dark night for like the, all those three years. Like the, the, the macro cycle was dark night, but then there was like little, you know, arising and passing away and worse dark night and you get a little bit of through like equanimity. So I was but the, I, I would say that the overall, overall like fabric of that phase was dark night, I think. Yeah, now that I mm. sort of piece things together. What were the characteristics of the experience of dark night? For those who don't know, after the rising and passing, this sort of spiritual high in that cycle, that map, that map uh, model uh, that Daniel Ingram propagates and so on from, um, you know, Buddha Ghosh's text and so on. Next thing, dark night can happen, right? <laughs> the, the lows the, uh, and so on. So what, what, what was that dark night like for you in terms of the, its characteristics? Uh, honestly, now that I look back on it, compared to my later dark nights, that was nothing. That was really mild. But it was just this sense of, should I go on with the spiritual path or should I not? Hmm. Yeah, I think that was the main thing because at that point, I felt like, I think the... The number one thing was the uh, deconstruction of, of beliefs and my hobbies. Like I was losing interest in things that I used to really care about, like philosophy. I remember getting out. It's like, wait a second, all those philosophers that I used to read, they don't make that much sense anymore. Like they just didn't hit me anymore. They, they just didn't fuck me anymore. And I sort of lost interest in creativity a little bit, even though I was still creating. But just energy-wise, I think that was the main thing, just energy-wise, I, I was feeling kind of, um, I, I used to have bipolar disorder, so I'm used to like just being manic all the time, just be like driven by this energy, like that's like on you. Uh, sometimes you know it's just too much to use, and then that was the first time I felt like, wait a second, I didn't have as much energy as before. That was kind of weird. Like I, I used to just get in the morning, I just want to go to the gym, I want to create, but then after the, the dark night, um, I was just like, I kind of want to just sit back and meditate and just figure this out. And I kind of want to, don't want to do that. I kind of want to just forget about the spiritual path and just go back to my old uh, artistic, athletic character and just, you know, continue. But I, I realized that I couldn't do that. I realized that, this, again, the gravitational pull is the same. Every day, even though I said I fuck spirituality, I was sitting down every day, two hours. I was reading spiritual things. I was trying to find out more of what's happening. Yeah, that's it. That's basically it. So take us, take us further. What happens next? What happens next is I took a 5-MEO DMT trip, uh, I think two and a half years after this, the first retreat. Yeah. So I've been practicing every day, one to three hours. And then 
um, I heard about 5MEO from uh, Leo Gura. You know him? <laughs> yeah, uh, he's kind of controversial right now. We can talk about that if you want. But I watched one of his videos, and uh, he was like, "This is the pill to enlightenment." And then I was like, "This is something I have to try, but I'm really scared." And then uh, that was that was in the back of my mind when every time I watched this video, he talked about 5MEO. So. That, that five and thing was just like something that it's kind of like the when I, before I went to the first issue, was like, I kind of have to do this. I kind of know that's the next thing, but I'm a little scared to do it. My ego wouldn't let me. So then I went to LA for a trip and I visited my friend. Um, and then uh, my friend was like, just one day out of the blue, first day that I arrived, he was like, bro, I found this shaman. Uh, he does this like, I don't know, toe thingy. And it's like, it's like DMT, I think. And I was like, Wait, what kind of DMT? Because I already did the NNDMT before, right? And then he was like, I'm not sure. Then he gave me the name. And I looked it up. I was like, holy shit, this is 5-MEO DMT. And he was like, what's that? He doesn't know what that is. He just said, okay, it's toke. And then I was like, and he was like, I'm going to do it today. You should do it with me, bro. And then I just didn't have time to think anymore. I was just like, okay, I'm, let's just do it. So I went and smoked 5-MEO DMT for the first time. Two years. I think it was two years. Two and a half or two years after the, the first retreat. And then six months later, I smoked it for the second time. And that second time is when I really broke through to, to uh, they would call it absolute infinity emptiness. Uh, the first time was like, I was just trying, it was infinity the first time, but it was like infinity in the mind. It was like, I had so much programs that I hadn't deconstructed yet that I was tripping infinity within my own mind. I was like, it was very funny. I remember, because uh, I like sneakers. So I remember just a picture of my Air Jordan, just like, infinite numbers of them just going on and on and on and I remember like fucking like a girl but then it was like fractals of infinite numbers of girls so it was like a an orgy with the whole universe but and every time I moved it was just like it's kind of like how I feel right now it's just like everything's connected but just everything's penetrating each other but then at the time my program of the sex thing was still so strong that that was laced over to that absolute emptiness or whatever you want to call it um so but that was when I was like, holy shit, this is, this is insane. And then at that time, I really didn't know if this was accessible, like, uh, naturally. Um, but anyway, so I think the more important trip is the one after that. I think six months later, I said, that's when I broke through to, like, my mind was a little bit more cleansed. Uh, my lens of perception, uh, perception was a little bit more cleansed back uh, during my second trip. And then that's when I was like, I was awake. I was, a, I was not in my mind, I was seeing, I was just here. And then, but then th that emptiness thing was it, like, is this here? And I was looking at my friend and I was looking at the, the chair, the wall. And it was just like, it was like the sex thing, but then without the visuals. But, you know, looking back on it, it's the same thing because they, you know, form of emptiness is the same. So, but back then I didn't know. Back then I was just like, this, this reality right here in front of me is like, it's, 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 there's absolutely no separation. It's absolutely holographic. It's absolutely empty. I was like, yeah, I read about this. I heard about this. And then now I'm experiencing it. And I remember the first thought I had was, this is it. This is, this is, this is, I just didn't know what it was. I couldn't conceptualize it, but I was like, this is what they were talking about. That interconnectedness and that just, just emptiness. Yeah. And that's when uh, I actually, after that, I went to another dark night <laughs> because of that, I think. Um, and then the dark night got so bad, I just be like, you know, I have to go to another retreat. Yeah, and then I was like really fucking sick at that time because I was reading a lot about dark nights and I was reading how when people go to the second one or when they get even deeper into it, like the dark nights like, will get really bad. You, you might kill yourself and I have this bipolar tendency and all that stuff. 
I was just like, again, I was debating whether or not to go to the second retreat. But again, I went anyway. And then the second retreat is when uh, I accessed states that are just so unbelievable that um, I think after I went home, I was like, what the fuck just was that, right? And I went home, I started doing research on like jhanas and secessions and the, that's when the path started to open up for me. And then looking back on it, that's when I hit stream entry, if you want to map it. But at that time, I still, I didn't know. I think that was one of the uh, advantage to how I, I progressed on the path. Is I, I never knew what was next. And I never looked into maps. I never really cared that much about the theoretical side of things unless I experienced it. So I went to that second retreat. And then I realized after I went home that I went through all the age on us and I hit a secession. But at that time, I wasn't 100% sure yet that was a secession because I was reading stuff like Gaynor Ingram. He was listing like two pages of why this is not emptiness, this is not emptiness. I was like, huh, did I really hit emptiness? I wasn't sure. So I, I, I didn't let that bother me too much. I just kept practicing. But after that retreat, my practice just started to speed up like crazy. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, that's first, now looking back on it, that first um, uh, secession, that, that was, that was crazy, man. Like, I think I went to the eighth genre and then I hit a secession looking back on it. But you know, like nowadays when I do it, it's nothing. But the first time that I accessed those states, it was so frightening, it was so exciting. I just remember just seeing this, this I can't describe it, this, like the thing that you, you, you that, that, that thing that, you know, like you, you sink into when you hit a secession. The first time that happened, it was like slowly forming, like just emerging from the void and it's just like this tunnel, this like really fucking weird fractal thing, right? And then I was just like, I, I just knew I had to merge with it. And then like, and then I remember in the back of my mind, I still had some like <laughs> self-consciousness back then. Um, I was like, this is, this is the, uh, this, this is like everything. Like this is the, you want to call it infinity, you want to call it the absolute, you want to call it whatever. That thing right there, that, that's where everything comes from. So I have to, I have to see what that is. Cause that, that's why I'm here. Right. So then they, and they just went closer and closer and then, I just, I was like, wait, and then I, I think I, I blinked out. And then when I came back, I was like, How? no, I didn't get in. I was like, I didn't get in. I was really upset. I was like, I was supposed to go into the tunnel. And then later after I did some research, I realized that you're not supposed to go into any tunnels because you're not there anymore. But then I, I remember the bliss wave too. I remember coming out of it. I was like this. I was like, I was like, what the fuck was that? I was like, that, I didn't go in, but like, what was that? You know? And then, yeah. And then after that point, um, that was the last day. That's very funny because that was the last sit. I just knew somehow that the whole retreat, I had no plans, but just somehow something inside me just knew I have to sit. I have to do that many hours. I have to, I have to come back and do the meditation during breaks now. And like, you know, just every, it seems like everything was planned out for me. I don't know. I have no idea. But the last sit, I just knew I, I had to sit as long as I can. And I had to hit something on the last sit. So the last sit, I just went in there. I sat for like, I think three or four hours straight. Even after the going kind of talk was over, I was still sitting. I sat through the whole course, the whole lecture. That was the last lecture, I think, or the one before, I don't know. But that was the last day before the uh, number silence was broken. And then I think I hit it like 10 minutes before like, you know, we had to leave. And then after that, I just didn't know what was going on, but I felt a little different. I felt like kind of really excited. I couldn't sleep all night, but I didn't know why. So I just lay in my bed, didn't sleep all night, but like kind of deep down inside, I knew I hit something like very weird, very interesting, very different. And then the next morning when I woke up, I looked into the world, there was this like, there was like a bubble. There was like a, the 360 thing. It was like, you know, the, uh, 
yeah, panoramic awareness thing that I, I, I talk about, you know, like that's why I call that code the 360 view. That was the first time I experienced a 360 view. And it's funny because I kind of know what that was because I think um, Leo Gura talked about it too in one of his videos. He said he had like a glimpse of that during one of his retreats. So I was like, wait, is, this that, is that the 360 panoramic uh, awareness that he glimpsed that he called the enlightenment experience? And then like, I'm having it right now. It's kind of like, it's just there, right? And then I was talking to people. I remember the first guy that I talked to, and it's funny because the first guy I talked to, he actually recognized me from like my videos. And that's why he went to the retreat. And then I just started talking to him and I was just, it was just so weird. It's just like, I was headless. Yeah, I knew about the headless way, but I didn't know this is the headless way. But at that time, that, that, that bubble was still kind of limited. There was still like, it was kind of like, I don't know how to say it, but it's, now this is just, everything looks normal, but even though it's empty before, that first time that I experienced the, uh, the 360 thing, it was kind of like, you were like morph things a little bit. And then you were like, it wasn't, it wasn't expensive enough. Yeah, but then I could kind of experience this, just this global awareness thing. And then I, sit, I was sitting in the car going back home and talking to the lady that drove me home. And then I was just telling her, like, I was like, asking those crazy things. And she was like, oh, so you're about, you're about like uh, advancement. You're about like uh, peak experience. Because going out, they, they don't like talking about that stuff, you know? Yeah. But then I was just, the whole time, like, whatever she was saying, I was just like observing the world was very, very different already. And I went home and I started doing all this research about jhanas and secessions. And uh, that whole door opened up to Daniel Ingram and, um, he was the main one, actually. Yeah, I think Daniel Ingram, Kenneth Folk, a little bit. I think that was after I read the uh, Master, uh, the Core Teachings of the Buddha. But that book, bro, like, just, just, I don't know why. Just when I opened that book, I was like, this guy, like, this guy gets it. And this, this, this book has some answers that I want. And it's just, I, just, I was just obsessed with that book for the next, um, I don't know, for the next, like, uh, a few months, you know, reading it and just kind of, kind of applying some of the practices there. That's when I started doing noting actually, because I was still doing uh, body scanning. But when after reading Daniel Ingram, I was like, okay, there's more to be passionate. You don't have to just know your body; you can know the whole world. And then also, I discovered Michael Taft and his podcast. Like, mind blew me. I was listening to his podcast, and I was just like, well, there's a lot of like weird people out there, like good, in a good way. There's a lot of. Um, modern day contemplative contemplatives that are out there that I never heard about. And I started doing research on each one of them. And it was like, I was like, wait a second, like they're saying a lot of things that are like really pragmatic that could be applied right now. And it, it works. Because before I was reading, I was just, you know, doing the going car retreat and I was reading the classic thing, you know, but then when I discovered those new school of people, I was just like, they're like, not a lot of people know about them. They're not like the Ecutolis, and not like the uh, Alan Watts. But then I was just like, damn, like, yeah, there's something here. And it's just that got deeper and deeper and deeper. And then my pr practice just like accelerated, accelerated, accelerated. That's amazing. What, what are some of the names of the people that you were discovering at that time? Can you rattle off a, a few of the names, the ones that stand out? Mm, I discovered Susan Young after my first retreat, but he didn't make sense to me back then. So after the second retreat, he started to make a lot more sense. So he, I rediscovered him. So he's one of the guys, and he's one of the guys we interviewed. And uh, I knew about Chuladasa. Also, he didn't really make sense to me before. And then when I listened to his, the podcast he did with Michael Taft, he was trying to talk, to talk about like stream entry and like the secessions and all that stuff. I was like, okay. And then I started looking to uh, Chuladasa. 
Uh, and Dana Ingram, I think, is the biggest one. Yeah. And then what are some other ones? And Kenneth Folk. I think those four are the ones that I could think of right now. Just, mm. Yeah. Fascinating. So go on. What, what happened next? So you're, you're you're listening to Deconstructing Yourself, Michael Taft's podcast, which is a fantastic yeah. podcast. I agree. Yeah. And uh, and then you've hit stream entry. You believe maybe you think you have. You know you're not so sure. And then what happens next? What happened next was my grandpa died, and my girlfriend broke up with me at the same week, and that threw me to the worst dark mile of my life. Yeah. Before that, you know, practice was going really well. I was noting pretty fast. I was like, you know, the the yeah, 360 thing was like helping. It was like, it wasn't like, it was like, it, that thing was doing the noting for me. It was like really fascinating. I was like, I'm noting, I'm noting. And then it's like, it's not me, really me noting. It's just like the awareness noting. It was so interesting. And then my, I think a month after that second retreat, when everything was going really well, um, my grandfather died and my girlfriend broke up with me. And then I got really depressed and I sink way down into the dark night. And that one, man, that one was bad. That one was so bad. I was like drinking and not doing anything for like two weeks. And during that time, that dark night, man, I had some trippy, really trippy visuals and I was hearing voices in my head. I was experiencing altered states of consciousness that it was in a, I wouldn't say more intense or less intense than what this or that, but it was different. It was very different. Like the texture of it, the, the tone of it, the, uh, the themes, the feelings was very different. And while I was very depressed, I was very, very fascinated by what was happening. It was just like, I was seeing fractals of like spiders and like, just like, you know, like a lot of, I was laying on this couch and I felt like the whole thing was like, I was in nature and everything was like, literally like physically moving around. It was just like, and I could like look at any object and I could see like, just like really detailed, like HD fractals and things like morphine and like really crazy shit. And then like, after like a week of that, just like, you know, tripping out on the dark night, I had a Kundalini awakening. Yeah. And I totally did not expect that. During the retreat, though, I could feel my Kundalini kind of rising up in the back of my uh, the spine. And I knew what Kundalini was. I always hated Kundalini because it, it scared me. Because I had a couple of friends with a Kundalini awakening. They were like, this is the craziest shit. And they, but if you went through it, you would be like a new person and all that stuff. And I read a little bit about it. I was like, this, 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 this is just not my cup of spiritual tea. You know, I'm going with the, you know, going kind of thing, noting. That's cool. But the Kundalini thing just didn't appeal to me. So at the end of that second retreat, no, sorry, at the end of that dark night, I had a full full Kundalini awakening. It was just like coming up and it was just like, you know, classic, you exploded. It's just like, I just, my consciousness was just like, boom. And then it was like, I don't know how to explain it, man. You know what I mean? It's just like, it was like that, that was, that, I think that, that was crazier than the DMT trip, actually. I just, when it exploded, I just went into this vortex and it was just like, I, you, know, you know, just the classic, you know, you know, from a, from a first thing right now, I really can't describe it, but if you really want to describe it, you know, it's just one of the classic, like, fractal thing, and then you just kind of experience the whole universe, like, spinning, and then that happened, like, four times, four, like, I call it downloads, like, four downloads, yeah, and then after those four downloads, my dark night ended, and I woke up, I was like, dude, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel enlightened, but I don't think I'm enlightened yet. I feel like, I feel like very, very different. This is like another level up than the first one. And then I went out to the street and I was running around and then I was just like, like the, the bubble thing just got bigger. If you want to put it uh, in more uh, 
uh, simplistic terms, that the bubble just got bigger. And then it was like so huge. It was just like, I was like, this is like amazing. Like, like how, how, how can this be? You know, how can, how can this be? Like, how can you have, like, how can your awareness be like unplugged from your mind so far away that it's like, like touching the sky. And then that, and I started reading about uh, the, the jhanas a little bit more. Because the, back then when I was like looking into jhanas, I was just reading on, on the internet. And then that's when I started to get into Daniel Ingram's description of jhanas. When I was reading uh, Masters of the Teaching, Master of the Court Teaching of the Buddha the first time, when I looked at the jhanas, I didn't really pay attention to it. But when I experienced that, you know, so I reading his jhana, I was like, this sounds a lot like the fifth jhana or the sixth jhana. But then I'm heaven and like, right now, it's like, this is unbelievable, what's happening? Yeah. At that time, I was like obsessed with Kundalini. I was like telling everybody about Kundalini. I was like, hey, Kundalini, Kundalini. <laughs> and then my perception was like very different too. Like the, the, the colors were just so vibrant. It was like upgrading from like 1080 to 4K now. Yeah, it was like 4K and I could, I could just, it was just like a, a new, just a new operating system basically. Yeah, just all things just upgrade again. And the jump from, Stream entry from not stream entry to stream entry, uh, then to stream entry that that second jump was even more. Yeah. Did you try to do anything with the Kundalini in terms of manipulating or directing or uh, using any of that kind of uh, heightened perception or heightened sense of energy in the body to do something, or were you mainly observing and experiencing the consequences of that of, of those four downloads? Uh, I think I was just experiencing it moment to moment and using it for my meditation. Now looking back on it, when people ask me about Kundalini, I tell them that Kundalini is like a superpower for the video game character to use to perpetuate himself out of the game. Because after Kundalini, my practice went up like experimentally again. Yeah, so Kundalini, it's almost like you're meditating with like using God. It's like God is meditating for you almost, it feels like that. It just feels like the, 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 the way I scan my body, the way I know it was just like, there was like this force that was doing it for me after Kundalini. And I guess you could say that was the only thing that I used Kundalini for. Uh, I knew about like other uses, but I wasn't interested in it. Hmm. Okay. So what happened next? What happened next? Uh, okay. So after the Kundalini, I just kept practicing. And then I was just accessing jhanas like, like that, like really fast. And I was just like having so much fun practicing. Because every time I go in it, I was just like, holy shit, this is crazy. <laughs> it was like, this is so crazy. I just having a lot of fun for the next uh that was 2019 june that's when i had my kundalini so so this whole year if you want to map it i think kundalini was third path something like that yeah if you want to map it, i don't know i'm not i'm not so sure but according to the uh dana ingram's map yeah i know there's different you know people are, we talk about this differently with different paths so i try not to go there but um yeah so after that, for the next year, it was just, there were dark nights. There were, there were, I think there were, okay, the next one is another dark night and another Kanoe download, but it was not as intensive as the last one. And after that one was another shift. That one, the shift was a little weird. It was like, yeah, the bubble was kind of the same because the bubble, the, the bubble was already pretty big. But this time I felt like, um, my perception of me shrunk. Like I woke up the next day after that, let's call it the third uh, shift, uh, the third kind of leany uh, dark night shift. I woke up and then I felt like I was like a hamster. 
and then I was cycling around uh, this this bubble. Before it was just like, I can't explain it, but it's just like my perception of myself of the avatar of Frank Yang, all of a sudden it became like, like very small. And I was, I, was, I would look around uh, the world and then I'll perceive other people, I'll think about other people and they're the same size as me or even bigger. I was very strange because before it was like, oh yeah, I'm here, I'm bigger than all of you. Like, you know, as a matter of fact, but after that experience, I feel like I was walking on the street and I was like, Franken is like this little tiny like thing, like this nucleus in an atom. But then the other people are kind of like the same or bigger. That was very interesting. Yeah. Where were you perceiving from at that point? What was the vantage point that you the were vantage, experiencing yourself and others from? The vantage point was still, it was both the, I think it was a little bit both of the, the object and the subject. Yeah, I haven't deconstructed that duality yet. So it's hard. It's hard to say. I think it's a little bit both. I think it's a little bit both. Yeah, it was both the the, the bubble of awareness and the little franking here that was kind of like doing things. Sometimes it would be more here, sometimes more there. Sometimes I would deconstruct the same thing here, and then sometimes it would be like there. But there was still kind of like like a tug of war between the two, like the subject and an object. And then sometimes the the line gets really thin, sometimes it's thicker. But it was like sort of dance there. So I'll say that was a little bit both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, so fourth path. Yeah, fourth path. Let's call it fourth path. <laughs> we don't want to piss some people off though. <laughs> okay. So fourth path. Um, after that, after the, after that, like after the third thing, I was just like, I think I'm good. Like, I, I think I'm okay. Like, I think, I think I'm happy where I am. Like, I actually, I always been pretty happy where I, even after stream, before stream entry, I was like, I don't know where this is going. And after I discovered stream entry, I was like, okay, this is like the first level of awakening. I'm good here. But then it just, you know, that thing just keeps pushing me to that, you know, to the direction where he wants to go. So I just keep going. So every, so the whole path, really, I really had no goal. My only goal was just to, you know, well, I'll continue to upgrade my consciousness and explore, but about the, you know, the path thing, you know, I'm, I'm happy here. I'm happy. Oh, this is stream entry. Oh, that's cool. First level of awakening. And then boom, boom, boom. And then third path. I'm happy here. Like I'm very happy here. Like you know, my my perception and my my walking around perception is now like again up upgraded from the last one. It was even more. Yeah, but it wasn't like quantum. It was just it was more intense. And meditation was just uh, more intense. So I said from second to third path, the ship wasn't like huge. It was huge, but it was like huge in a sort of a, not a qualitative way, more like a quantitative way. So third path, I was like, oh, I'm good here. So I just kept practicing. And then, and then one day, I, no, there was a, okay, there's not a dark night. I didn't, like, at that point, I was like, I don't think there's going to be any more dark night because at, at that point, I felt like, you know, I'm pretty cleansed. But then, like, all of a sudden, I just sank into another dark night for, like, a whole week. But this one was, I think they get, they get easier, but it was still pretty bad. So I was, you know, in bed for a week. Uh, it wasn't in bed like the whole time, but like I, I just didn't want to do anything for a week. Um, I didn't practice that much, uh, but I still practiced. I still practiced at least an hour and a half a day. And at that point, I remember that one week, even though I didn't want to practice, I, it was just like the kind of really thing was, do, was just doing itself. It was just doing itself by that point. Yeah. And then uh, I remember one particular practice. I think that um, the second night before, I, I call it the Big Bang, like the final thing. Uh, I call it the final, I like to put quotes in it. 
because I know that's not really final, but it, it is kind of final, but we'll talk about that. So the two nights before that, the Big Bang, I experienced, uh, it was like Vipassana, but it was like, I w it, w it was, it was like the, the scan was like, before it was, okay, before when I scanned, even if I was scanning like the universe, quote unquote, it was still kind of like, like that. If I scan my body, it's like, and then if I scan the world, it's kind of like, even though it's like huge, oh, the bubble is like big, scan like that. But that time, the, the scan was, well, it wasn't coming from the middle anymore. It was, it was like, it was crazy. And it felt like the, the, the thing that popped in my mind, the way I described it to myself was, I'm depositionalizing the universe or the universe is depositionalizing itself. Yeah, and it was like, it was just really insane. And then at that time I was so excited that I could do this. So like, you know, me, whatever, whoever is doing this, I was experiencing it. You know, my character is sitting there experiencing this. And then it wasn't a lot of effort. It was just like normal, kind of normal Vipassana, like how I scan my body. But then the, the scanning was so intense. And then even though I was still in dark night, I was so excited. I was like, this is crazy. Like, I want to, like, what's going on? So I just uh, kind of was doing that for the next couple of days. And then I remember, uh, I remember Daniel Ingram talking about the center. Yeah, the center. So after that, I woke up the next morning. I was like, I think my center is kind of gone. Like, is this it? I remember reading about the, the description of the, of the path when I was in third path, I was reading about the third path. Usually I don't read ahead, but then, you know, they were like right next to each other, the third path. I was like, I'm pretty, I, I think I'm a third path because my walking around experience was so different, blah, blah, blah. And I see the fourth path. Okay, uh, centerlessness, that really intrigued me. Centerlessness, uh, what does that mean? You know, how, how is that different from what I'm experiencing right now? So I woke up after that, that big universal Vipassana and then I was just kind of feeling like way lighter and way happier. And just like, is my center gone? I don't know. Mm, let's see. And then, uh, mm, okay, uh, not sure, still not sure. And then uh, I got in the morning and then that day was funny. Uh, I just started recording. I just started recording myself. Usually I record a lot of vlogs and a lot of stuff, but I never wake up in the morning. First thing I did was turn on the camera because I subconsciously I knew this, is, this, this day is a little different. So I just started talking to the camera. I was like, uh, I just had a few more community downloads and blah, blah, blah. I, and then, uh, uh, oh, I remember saying to the camera, there was never, there was never anything to dissolve. I remember just that something in my mind just tells me that there's, there's nothing to dissolve. There's never anyone here in the first place. You know, there's no secret. I just remember hearing that in my mind. And then I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then, and then I got in the morning, made coffee. And then I just started to feel more and more light, lighter and lighter, lighter and lighter. And I drank coffee and I was like, okay, I feel really good. I'm gonna go to the gym. So I went to the gym and I walked around outside. On the way to the gym, was that, 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 walk, that experience was, was, was a little different. It was different, very different than just, you know, a week ago. Um, it just felt like, it felt like when I was walking, uh, it's, it's like I could either be looking at myself from here or here or, or there or then like there. It's just like, I can't, I, I was trying to catch up with myself almost. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was walking to the gym. I was like, this is great. This is this, like, I was feeling really light. I think that was the lightest. Uh, I think I, I just felt like feather. That was, the, that was the lightest I've ever felt in my whole life. Yeah. And then. You know, one of the funny things is, um, I said one of my goals when I was into fitness was I wanted to look like, you know, Ronnie Coleman? Yeah. I wanted to look like Ronnie Coleman and weigh three grams. I don't know why I said that. I just think it's funny. I wanted to look huge, but I want to be like, just really light. And at the time I was like, this is like, not even, this is like one gram. 
Yeah, so I was walking to the gym, I had like a really good workout. And then I remember when I was lifting weights, I was just like, I remember before I would like lift weights and then my, my attention, uh, my like, there, there would be tension here when I lift weights, right? But then when I was lifting weights, I just feel like that tension was like gone. It was like reduced by like 90%. And then I was just, it was just like my head was so light. It was just like something was, before, okay, before when I meditate, I, I, I usually like do this. I usually do this. I put my head there. I put my head there. Because I don't know, I just feel more comfortable like that. Or sometimes I meditate down. It's very rare that I meditate like this without any support. But after I went to the gym, I went home and, and meditate. I was just like, what the fuck? Like, I, did, I, I don't want any support. Like something is supporting me. Like, like. Like this is more, this is more still and more supportive, just like this, sitting really straight than this. Like something was pulling me like this way. And like, just, I don't know how to explain it, but just like, yeah. And then, and then I started to listen to a Michael Taft, uh, guided med meditation and I kept meditating. And then I don't remember like the exact moment, but there was a moment where, I mean, I don't remember what I was thinking before that, but at that time, I think I was just like, I wasn't even thinking about being done or not being done or where am I in the past. I was just so amazed by this state that I was just sitting there like really happy, like a child, just like meditating. And then I think it was quite gradual, even though that last spark gets dissolved, it, it was like kind of like, and then before I realized it, it was like, it was like my DM teacher. It was like my five animal breakthrough. It was like, the way I could describe it was just like, it was just the, the whole universe eating itself. I'm gonna stick to my, the analogy that I used. It's just the whole universe eating itself and through and through. It's like, there's not, a, it was like going in, the whole thing, the whole field is going in to my body and out of my body. But then like my body is also that, but there was this motion. I could feel that energy like going. And then it was just like, it was like really like slippery and loopy. You know, like that, that, that everything, every movement I take was that, that, that's, it was that. It, it wasn't coming from me anymore. It was just like when I moved my head and it's, yeah, it was just like, and then I was just like, like, it felt like, it felt like, like having sex with the whole universe. It felt like a, a divine orgasm. Yeah. And it was just, at the time I was still cycling Kundalini a little bit. So the Kundalini gave me like this trippy thing. So that was when I realized this is like the, exactly like my 5ML breakthrough because now I don't have the trippy thing, but I still have the, uh, the, uh, the emptiness. But when I was still cycling, Kanalini was almost gone, but it was still cycling a little bit. When I hit that, you know, when the last spec was gone, when it was just like, it's just nothing, uh, just nothing. Um, the Kanalini was still giving me some kind of trippy visuals. And then I was sitting in this room and then I was just like, I was just like, I think this is enlightenment, bro. <laughs> I don't know how else to call it. <laughs> oh, dude, that was so crazy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> fascinating. That's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious. You mentioned some controversy about, uh, you know, paths and being fourth path uh, or having attained fourth path and things of that nature. And you said this might upset some people and, and so on. So <laughs> have, you been, have you encountered any... Uh, pushback or any anybody and any uh, you know haters or anything like that because you you know you you blog about this on your youtube <laughs> channel which i'll link of course below uh, <laughs> videos you know 
is that controversy that you're just aware is out there or is it controversy that you've experienced personally? I haven't experienced it personally, but I, I am aware of the fact that there are some people that would, you know, have discussions about this. So, um, I think I did get one, I got one message, really low message from a Reddit user after I said I hit fourth path. And then he was like, Frank, I love your videos and like your attainment is really rare. But I, if you go on Reddit and post things, don't call yourself an Arha and don't say fourth path or anything like that because they might think you're crazy and they won't take your advice or they won't take your insights seriously. And that would be a shame because your insights are really rare. And then I looked at it, I was like, that's really interesting when people will like talk about this and analyze it. And then, but I wasn't, I, I don't post on Reddit. I don't really post on message boards. So I was just, I looked at it and I was just like, okay, that's really interesting. So that's it. There's no more to that than that. Yeah, what, one of the interesting uh, debates, I think, that is current about this idea of the four paths is what actually uh, constitutes uh, a path attainment or a path shift. For instance, Daniel Ingram talks about a perceptual shift. Yes. But there are, on the other side of the fence, there are people that talk about the oh. 10 fetters and there's a sort of emotional or uh, moral uh, purification uh, and certain... Uh, Exactly. Changes that occur uh, in that in that in that direction. I'm curious where you where you sit with that. And also, given that one of the motivations for you getting in to meditation, all uh, you know at the very very beginning of the story uh, was to do with your se sexual behavior, the sense of addiction, etc. Let's let's bring that back in. And and what has been your experience in terms of character, morality, uh, things of that nature? Given that that was such a key thing. For you to begin mm, i think overall every shift that i have reduced my sexual desire by a little bit by a little bit so right now compared to when i started meditating to cure or reduce my sex drive um compare that character to now i would say it was reduced by 95 percent to 98 percent yeah just i never really like in the beginning, I knew I had that mindset of, oh, I, I just don't want to think about sex that much. I didn't, I, I wasn't doing no fab. I wasn't like restricting myself from having sex or watching porn. I was just like, maybe this sex thing can go down a little bit so I can focus on other things. That's it. So that wasn't a huge thing for me. I still like sex. I still do it. But just, you know, after I got on the path, it just started to reduce slowly, slowly, slowly. And then now I would, I'm pretty confident to say that. Yeah, it was like 95% less than when I first started meditating. It's just like, I don't know, it's just like, you're just having sex with the world with everything right now. You know, like this really, this feels like sex. It just really feels like sex. It, it, like I remember when I broke through the path that meal and the fourth path thing, the first thing I in my mind was just like, this is like, this is sex. <laughs> this is what people have sex, why people have sex. It's for this, it's for this union. Yeah. So that's that. And what, what else stuff are you, are you asking? Uh, about emotional purification or the 10 fetters and things of that nature. Oh, after the, 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 the final shift, uh, I have like, even before that I was drinking alcohol, like twice a week. Like, you know, sometimes dark nights I'll drink a little bit, you know, like, wow, I would drink, sometimes I'll drink at home. Um, it's funny because I, if I, when I drink, I would like drink quite a lot. I would get drunk. Right. But I don't think drinking really affects my practice to get back on it. Uh, my motto is always just, you know, do your practice and leave the rest to, to the character. You do whatever you want, just sit down for two hours, you know, go party, go drink, whatever you want. So after the shift, I woke up in the morning, 
my just I uh, stopped drinking. I drank like a few times since I was friends, but like it was totally different. It was like the desire to drink was just vanished. When I look at alcohol on TV, on in movies, I was like, ew, that's nasty. But the few times that I did drink, I had a good time. This is not like you know I can't drink alcohol every day. It's gonna fuck with my state. I don't care. It's like I, if I drink, I drink. But I just don't have that desire to drink. Was gone. It was just gone. And then another shift was I started to wake up before the shift. Even the night before, I was taking sleeping pills. I, I take sleeping pills all the time before the final shift. I would take sleeping pills for like, um, just, I just couldn't sleep, right? And then after the shift, uh, I, I started to go to sleep every night at 9 or 10 p.m. And then the moment that I laid down, I passed out. And I wake up four hours later. Always the same. Four and a half to five hours of sleep every night. And I wake up whenever the sun rises. It's been like that, yeah. I mean, there are a couple of nights when I went out and stuff, but in general, it's just like, I just, I only need four or five hours of sleep. And I haven't got, oh, I do get a little bit frustrated uh, like certain things, but it, it's not, it's just sensations. You know, it just, it's, it's, it just feels, it just, it's just sensations like in this whole em huge empty space is, okay, yeah, that's it. Okay, you, I, I, I might get a little frustrated here and there, but the sensations, the suffering just vibrates and just you know, liberates themselves. Um, and I started to want to do more meta, even though you know I never used to do that much meta. But then after that, I was like, ah, this this insight thing is the end. Is the end. There's no more to go. Like every, everything is awake right now. Every, the whole field is awake. How can you get more awake than this? You can't. You just can't. You just know. You just can't, right? And I was like, okay, I'm still going to practice. I still practice. I still sit down. And I can still enter jhanas. But then another thing, I was like, mm, I should do some meta. So I started doing some meta. And then I'm like 90% happier. When was your fourth path shift? Uh, May 25th. Mm -hmm. 2020. 2020, yeah, this year. So I went from first pass to fourth path in a year, if you want to map it. First path to fourth path in a year. Yeah. When, I, when the, uh, the, the, the stream entry, the second retreat, that was 2019, June. And the fourth path was May 2020. Yeah. And the funny thing is, there there were some synchronicities there that I don't remember the exact dates, but I think the the when my grandpa grandfather died, um, it, like the, there was like this one year anniversary thing where when some some big shit happened that day is really weird. I think that was one of the Kundalini's that I don't know I forgot, but there's a lot of synchronicities on the path if, you, if I look back on that. It's like every moment is just like the later you go into the path. The, the more that's the case. It feels like just every little thing that you did was for, for this. <laughs> so, something else that uh, is sometimes reported uh, with these sorts of experiences is cities or unusual uh, powers and so on. Have you had any experiences uh, of that sort of thing? Uh, do you call like I had yeah some experiences that I never had before like out of body experiences astral projections I never really care about those stuff like I looked at them I was like okay they're kind of interesting but I never really practiced them but after the shift uh, whenever sometimes I meditate like sometimes before a succession or kind of like in between sleep state I would feel like I go into another realm another dimension and I'll feel like some of those dimensions are really fucked up like really crazy. And now some of them are like really normal. It just felt like it's happening right now. It's just like somewhere else in the world, another space and time and it's happening right now. It just felt like that. It's very different texture than dreams. Yeah. Can you um, talk about some of those dimensions? Uh, it, you mean the fucked up ones? 
for example? Okay, yeah. Uh, oh, those dimensions. It was one day I went to the hospital. Like this, there was a hospital filled with midgets, and then uh, just midgets having sex and like just really weird entities. And can't remember the rest. They're this similar theme. It's just like entities. They're not humans, but they're, they're but they're humans, <laughs> and they're in a realm where it feels very different from this reality. And then there are you know, out-of-body experiences where I go through realms where it feels exactly like this reality. It feels like it's like maybe there or maybe it's in, uh, you know, down the street, somewhere closer. So it's something that feels very familiar. And during those out-of-body experiences, sometimes I, I can, I, I will be aware of my own body laying there. Like I will be aware of simultaneously. Sometimes I'll just be there. And then I remember one of them was very interesting. I went to like this, this house party and I remember just, just like kind of floating around the house party. And then at that point, I, I still, I, there's still some consciousness in there that was telling me, this is real, this is not a dream. And then I, I could like float up and look at people sleeping. And then I had this int intuition that told me that if I, if, I talk, if I scream at them or something, if I interact with them, they would see me, but I didn't. I, maybe I didn't have the enough like power to do it, but I just didn't do it. I just, but I knew at that time, I was like, if I interact with them, they will probably see me. And then the funny thing is I also experienced seeing entities like when I'm not having out of body experiences, especially doing kind of lean downloads, like I'll have like entities biting me and like just they will attack me. You know, some of them will just be there, but then uh, some of them will try to like choke me. I'll have sleep paralysis and I'll wake up and I'll see like just just like just like entities are just like vibrating and, and they, they don't look good, man. The 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 energy is not good. <laughs> like they're, they're not positive entities and feel like. And I read about how like when you have like shifts, um, they kind of want to, they want to like quote unquote suck your power or whatever. So like they can use your, your, your kind of thing to like go to the next room. I don't know. Like I'm agnostic about like anything I just said in the last 10 minutes. I'm just like reporting what I experienced and then yep. whether they're real, whether they're not, whether they're in my head and dreams, it doesn't matter for me. To me, they're just, just more sensations, but it's interesting. They're just same, same source, but it's still very interesting how all those different power just came to me naturally after the, the, the shift mm, that is interesting when you said you saw the, the entities around kundalini and so on do you mean with uh in the sense that you saw them with your eyes the same way you you can see the screen here or do you mean yeah. you saw them in your mind's eye i think there was really real life it was like uh, uh, it's right here i was sitting here but during those moments i, I wasn't like 100 percent conscious right. it was like doing kundalini downloads when i'm like kind of like tripping out uh, or when like almost falling asleep or when I wake up, right when, after I wake up. And then when I become fully awake, they will be gone. But then yeah, they were like right here. Yeah. And it, it always happens here. Like this is, the, this is the entity room right here. It always happens here. And this is the room that I meditate in. This is the room that I have all my shifts. Yeah. What do they look like? Uh, the ones that uh, they were trying to fight me. It looks like one of those Japanese horror uh, ghosts. You know, like those, uh, uh, have you seen the ring? Mm -hmm. Yes, that kind of archetype. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, I don't know if you maybe you might want to cut this one out, but I have midges that try to give me blowjobs. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> it's so strange. Yeah. Those are the two ones that are really like fuck. What the fuck? I'm going up the stairs to sleep. Yeah. The one where I got I got held down by the the Japanese character, and the, the two times when the midges. Like deformed midgets, like I think 
I think one of those males, I don't know, was female. I don't know, I can't even tell. But they were like giving me fellatio. It was insane. <laughs> so that's, that's fascinating. Yeah, would you like me to cut that, that, that little bit out? Maybe. I don't, I don't care. You, you can put it on. Okay. I mean, it's for your show. Like, for me, I don't care. <laughs> what about things like knowing information or seeing things through the walls or hearing things, etc.? These are some of the other uh, cities, knowing things about people, etc. Uh, anything like that have you experienced? Um, I, I do experience something that I only came to realize yesterday that I have been doing this is that I can really sense energies now. Like nowadays when I do things before it was based on like visual aesthetics. Okay, this room looks good. I'm going to sit here or like um, this spot has better lighting, blah, blah, blah. And now it's just like this spot right here has better energy. I'm going to come sit here. And when I look at people, it's re really easy to like kind of read the energy and, and, and and when I talk to people, like a lot of my followers ask me questions about meditation and I can get a pretty good sense of where they're at just intuitively uh, or what they need, kind of what they need in their practice and um, yeah, where they're, they're on the path and whether they hit this or that um, or not, maybe not, even if it's not about the path, if it's just like just talking to people in general, even online, um, in real life. Uh, before it was me looking at them, I was like, oh, you're beautiful. Uh, you're, you're aesthetic. Uh, you have good clothes, but now it's just like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm reading the energy, and, and that's something that I never realized that I was doing until today, uh, yesterday. But I was, have been doing that for the last three months. I was like, I was, I'm directing my life based on sensing energy. And if you told me that like a year ago or something, even before the path, I would be like, you're gonna, you're going insane, bro. <laughs> oh, energy into these. What, what about um, the relate, your relationships with, say, family, friends, and, and things like that? Did you notice any change uh, in that sense or in that, in that uh, dimension? Mm. Okay, I'll start another clip. The funny thing is, uh, mid-path, there were moments where I, I would feel awkward around people. And I remember the third path, when I was going through minor ships, minor cycles, when I go out, I'll have a dog time immediately because their energy would like sort of contract me. I'll be like feeling pretty good. You know, I just asked me to I feel really expensive. And then when I went to hang out with my friends, it's not like I don't like them. They're just people, they're just my friends, you know, nothing negative, nothing bad about them. It's not like I have any beef with them. But when I hang out with people, it's like they're in, with the way their energy contract just being themselves contracted my energy. And the contrast between that and the expensive, you know, of the jhanas or whatever states I was accessing, uh, that didn't feel good. But then after the fourth path, that was gone too. That was just um, all, very rare that I do feel any kind of awkwardness with people. I talk to people like, I, I, I almost talk to everyone the same way almost. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, I just don't, yeah, with family. Uh, yeah, funny, I'm closer to my dad now. I, I go on like trips with him before. Like he's like, let's go, to, let's go hiking. I didn't want to, but now I actually like, oh yeah, that's another thing. I actually like nature now. Before I never liked nature. I just started liking nature. <laughs> It's so like cliche, but this is how it is. And I just go on trip with my dad. Um, in terms of friends, I've only really hung out with two people after the fourth path. And those two people were the ones, are the ones that are pretty comfortable talking about spirituality. One of them is on the path. And another is uh, on a slightly different path, but he's a Buddhist, he's, but he's, I'm like, he's, he's a Taiwanese guy. But I can talk to him about this stuff. I can tell them my states and they understand. Um, 
I think I've hung out with a few other people that I'm not that close with, and it's it's fine. It's just completely normal. It's just like for some reason though, a lot of people that used to be pretty close to me, uh, even just when I used to talk to them online, even if they're not here, because I'm in Taiwan right now. Usually I live in America. Kind of just I don't know. Just it feels like, it always feels every shift. It feels like I'm perpetuating to a, another dimension. And even though that dimension is the same, some people just dropped off. It's almost like they didn't they didn't make the jump with me. Yeah. And I don't really care. I don't feel lonely or anything. I just, sometimes I do actually, I do feel a little lonely sometimes. It's like, I think that's the, I think if I can say there's downsides, I do feel like 1% of my character feels a little bit bored and a little bit lonely, but the rest, the, the bliss and everything else is so, so big that, that those two don't even matter anymore. Why lonely? No, I, 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 I don't know. I want people to experience what I'm experiencing. Yeah, I want people to like, I want, I want people to, yeah, that's it. Hmm. I, yeah. <laughs> you, you mentioned also that you've been diagnosed with bipolar. I'm yeah. wondering um, if there's been any interactivity between between that diagnosis and this journey. Uh, honestly, I think it was good and bad for me, for the journey. Good in a sense, I think that the manic power, the manic mind mental power that I used to like, uh, sort of, I used to use those power, those like manic energy for like gym and you know, creating art and making like crazy videos. Um, now, but after I started to get on the path and I started accessing a lot of jhanas, I realized I was using kind of the same power to access jhanas. So in a sense that bipolar energy helped me like access those crazy states. Yeah, and then like a lot of my friends also do the same practice and they can't access those states. And I'm like, maybe it's because I'm bipolar. <laughs> but then as the path went on, like my bipolar tendency just gets less and less and less, less and less. And, it was just like the, 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 the energy is just a lot more control. Like I, I only use it for what I want to use, even though the intensity might be the same. Like I'm using a lot of energy right now to talk to you, right? Mm -hmm. But it's directed at something specific. It's not destructive. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize that that energy, that manic energy, is still there. Uh, you know, it's still there, but it's, it's uh, number one, it's a lot more control. Number two, a lot more, uh, a lot less destructive. And, uh, and overall, the, the way the character feel that energy it's way less. Yeah, before it was just like, I'm just like, I always feel like I'm, I, I'm high on cocaine before all the time and it's like super contracted, but now it's just, I can still feel like really hyper, but it's, it's just, it's just like air. It's like air with, with, with some flavor. Yeah, mm. with some flavor, but it's still, it's the air. Yeah. Were, were you ever on medication for bipolar uh, before? It was for about a year then that, and I realized it was, kind of taking away my my creativity mm. and my my drive to create so i just stopped yeah. very soon after i start stopped uh, taking meditation i started meditating i was never dependent on me i was taking it like i wasn't even taking it every day it was just like sometimes my dad's like yeah you gotta take your medication i was like okay well, i'll take it like i wasn't even like i wasn't dependent on it i, I don't think it made that much of a difference honestly but it just, i just felt like a tiny bit of more reduced creativity, so I just stopped. I was like, I don't really need this. Hmm. So I've got a couple more questions for you, uh, but this has been so fascinating, Frank. Thanks. This Thanks. Uh, I've enjoyed this. Like, this is the first time I, I can like express this, like, boom, boom. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about your YouTube channel. Um, sure. You you have a YouTube channel, um, and uh, it's really documented all of this journey. Uh, yeah. And you have a very unique editing style in a certain sense with your editing. It seems 
you're attempting to convey some of the perceptual experiences you're having through the editing style, uh, mm -hmm. very fast paced, you know, really amazing um, editing work there and just amazing creativity, I think. So talk a bit about that YouTube channel and, and what it is you've been doing there. Well, basically, I started to upload videos to YouTube the first day YouTube, I think the first week YouTube came out. Back then, I was, before that, I was making videos already. I was always filming things, just filming things for fun. I, I think I was, YouTube came out 2014. I was at film school two years before that. So I was already making films, like short films, experimental films. I, like, I didn't really like feature films. Uh, I called them video art. I like to make short, like trippy videos. And that was even before I get into any of the stuff in psychedelic time. But if, I, if you look at some of the videos from like way back, one of my first ever videos that I created, you can, you can see all the elements of the, the path in there. Like the, the, the fractals, the zooming, the looping, the going in and out, like the, the relationship between the body and mind, the screens. Um, you can see all in there. It's really fascinating how like looking back at my character work, how that each sort of knew what to pick up when he creates. And that, and oh yeah, so the YouTube channel. And then back then when YouTube came out, I was really into fitness, I was doing my body phase. So when YouTube came out, I already had a bunch of videos that I had stored in my cassette. Yeah, and then I was like, holy shit, you can upload this to the internet. And then uh, it's, at, the, at first it was like, okay, that's somewhere that I can, I can store my stuff that it won't get lost. So I started to upload fitness videos on YouTube. And back then, there, there was nothing there. There was no YouTube just got started. And then I think I was one of the first uh, people to upload fitness videos to YouTube. Just, just myself working out, uh, filming myself eating, and, and, and just filming myself jumping like 63 inches, like really high. Um, uh, yeah, and then that just kind of, and I didn't have an idea that it was gonna have an audience. And then they just started to get a little bit of traction because people have been posting those fitness videos on like message boards, like bodybuddy.com, like 4chan. And then you just started to like kind of take off a little bit. And before I go on, I want to make this point. That, that feels really similar to what I'm doing now. It's the fitness phase and the meditation phase actually felt more similar than the philosophy and the, the mind intellectual phase the way that I approach them. That's why Kenneth Fo calls it contemplative fitness. I love that term. Yeah, contemplative fitness. It's like, it's like fitness for the, for, the, for the mind, for the consciousness, because you're actually molding something. Yes, it's like something that's quote unquote physical. You're not just reading about it. It's like you're, 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 you're flexing the, the world, the universe. You're making changes to your, your physical being and the world around you. You know, it's, it's not in the head. It's like meditation is not something you do in the head, at least from direct experience. Meditation is something you're doing with the universe. Yeah, it's definitely not in the head. Yeah. Like when people get into meditation first, they're like, okay, I'm gonna close my eyes, I'm gonna go into my head, I'm gonna blink, I'm gonna have an empty mind. It's totally not in your head meditation. It's, it's, yeah, it's like the word meditation, I don't know, man, it's just so different now to me yeah, than when I first started working or the notion of it compared to what most people think of it is. Um, but anyway, so, and also another thing is like, I started to upload those like, you know, uh, spirituality videos and now they're getting kind of posted on like spiritual meditation forums. And that, it feels very similar to back then, like 10, 15 years ago when I first started my YouTube channel. And the funny thing is after the shift, it, it was like kind of like a shift to how I create also. It's just like, now I don't really want to create anything about fitness anymore. Or like, I, I'll still put fitness in there, but, but my main, uh, the, the main thing that I want to express is, is, is this. 
is this how, how I did this, how other people do it, like, or, you know, doing this podcast is part of it, you know, and documenting my direct experience, trying to, like, transfer what I experienced perceptually uh, to the screen so other people can uh, sort of see what this is like. Um, not, not saying that this is the right way, but just, you know, ever since day one, even when I was creating art, I just wanted to show people what's on my mind. And now it's just like, I want to show people what you can do for your reality right now. Yeah, and then it feels like a totally, totally different phase. Like, um, yeah, if you look at my videos before and now, it's just, my friend is like, dude, man, you're, what happened to your videos? It just suddenly became like, you're just talking about something that I have no idea what you're talking about anymore. And I was like, oh, I don't, didn't really realize it. I, I mean, I do, but it's not, to me, it's not that like dramatic. But for a lot of people, it's like making videos about veganism and then about making, like, making videos about eating meat almost, like the, the jump for them. Right? Hmm. So I feel like I'm, I'm building like an, almost like a new audience, like kind of like in the beginning when people are doing fitness. And funny thing is like not a lot of people, not a lot of YouTubers are doing this, are, you know, making videos about uh, spirituality and especially not the prag pragmatic stuff. And in the way that this is so much like fitness and the way that fitness when I first started, there was no one doing fitness. Now fitness is huge. It's like a huge, you know, YouTube fitness industry is like a huge thing. And, you know, maybe one day that this, what I'm doing now with this contemplative fitness would be huge, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, but yeah. That's amazing. Frank, <laughs> how old are you? Uh, me, I'm 35. 35, uh-huh. And so what's next for you? Good question. I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> like, I... That's a good question. People, you know, that's like the most asked questions people ask me now that when I tell them I kind of done with like that portion of the path, like what's next? Uh, that question is very similar to the question of integration. When people talk about, oh, you have the ship, now you got to integrate. From my perspective, now there's nothing to integrate really, even though there is, but it doesn't feel like integration. It's just like after that jump, it's just like all the stuff about like emotional, the, the emotional models that doesn't register with me anymore right now even though i do notice changes but after that jump it's just like in, what integrate what and like what kind of changes do you have to make to your character this emotion and like how do you know when that's gonna end it just doesn't doesn't register right now it's the only thing i register is like everything i'm doing it's just like the the, the voice sucking it up sucking it up and it's just like and i'm happy here right now that's it Maybe I'll change my mind tomorrow and I'll start to be like, oh, I gotta fix my character, this and that. But so far, that's just how it is. Yeah. And in terms of the, the question that you asked earlier, what did you ask? Well, what am I gonna do? Oh. Honestly, the only, the only desire right now I have, I still have some desire to like, wanna be with beautiful women, but it's like reduced down to so low. And I only had sex with like two girls in the last year. That's crazy, man. That's like, so much lower than before it's like i wouldn't believe in myself but i think one of my only desires is to like i, I want people to experience this and i want to i want people to that's it i just want that that's it <laughs> even though they're already experiencing it you know how like you know, you're already it but yeah so my last question to you then frank is given that that's your your desire for others to experience that what what advice do you have for people what would you say to someone who is interested in, in following you or going down that path also? Uh, my advice. Mm. My advice is just to do the practice like you would do it, you would work out. 
just do it consistently. Even if your goal isn't like spiritually, like alignment or like awakening, it would help the character in many ways. And then um, don't care or don't worry too much about like paths and, and goals and cycles and all that stuff. Because after I started talking about this stuff, a lot of people are getting really deep into like paths and stuff. They, they keep asking me what path you on, what path I'm on, I'm talking about this guy now. You know, like that's pretty kind of typical. Dan Ingram talks about it too. But um, yeah, I would say just, just, just do it. I, I think, I don't, I don't know how to, a lot of advice I can give is if to just do it. Because once you start to sit down, after a while, it was, it's gonna do itself. Meditation will start to meditate by itself, for itself. And, but you just kind of have to go through that phase where you kind of have to force yourself to sit down. But if you like, feel like you don't want to, then my advice for people is like, even though, even if you, your goal is the meditation, or even if you don't even like meditation, it will help you in all the different areas of your character's life anyway. So just do it like you would take care of your body. Just do it like you would take a shower. Yeah, that's, I think that's my advice, I'm not sure. Frank Yang, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to another Guru Viking podcast. For more interviews like these, as well as articles, videos, and guided meditations, visit www.guruviking.com.